the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hello everyone, this is Darwin Messidou. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of The Ekphrastic, a podcast where we paint pictures with words. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow us. On Twitter, we're at The Ekphrastic. Same thing on Instagram, The Ekphrastic. And as always, uh, check out darwindarko.com backslash ekphrastic is where you can find all of the artwork we discuss. Today's subject, for more than 25 years, Cecily Brown has transfixed viewers with sumptuous color, bold brushwork, and complex narratives that relate to some of Western art history's grandest and oldest themes. We'll get to know her a little bit better, but first let's get into some art news. So quick roundup, uh, quick digest, if you will, of uh, what's going on in the art world. Uh, British photographer Hugo Bernard took the official portrait of the newly crowned King Charles III and Queen Kamala. Talk, talk a little bit more about them in a second. Uh, this was on Saturday. Uh, today is the, the ninth, so that was just uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, he said that his arm was, uh, his aim, I'm sorry, was to create a little piece of theater. His work was just released, and you can find that um, at the New York Times. The Shelbourne Museum in Vermont has hired uh, Ajay, uh, um, Ajay Associates to create a $12.6 million home for its new Perry Center for Native American Art. It will, it will measure about 10,000 square feet and will be designed from the ground up in partnership with indigenous voices, the museum said. Uh, VT Digger um, released that and there was also a press release. Judith Miller, an antiques uh, expert who was a mainstay on the British version of the popular antiques roadshow television show, she's died at 71, unfortunately. She was addicted to auctions. It's kind of a weird way for them to put that there, right? When you're reading an obituary, you probably thought that would have been like a drug related, like cause of death or something like that. So uh, not so much, but in the New York Times, again, you can find this written by uh, Penelope Green. The 2023 Pulitzer Prize for criticism went to Andrea Long Chu. I didn't know there was one. I'm a critic. Shoot. I need to fucking get submitted for this shit. Uh, of New York Magazine, so she's, okay, so New York Magazine, a lot of New York heavy over here, uh, magazine for book reviews that scrutinize authors as well as their works. The finalists were art critic Jason Farrago uh, of the New York Times and food writer Lindsey Green of the Detroit Free Press. So that's uh, Pulitzer Prizes, you know, they have a website, check them out there. An exhibition at Tate Britain in London is helping to draw attention to the work of artist Elizabeth Sadal. Uh, she was around back in 1829 to 1862, uh, who has long been better known as a model and muse for her husband, Dante uh, Rossetti, and other pre-Raphaelites. Uh, Studying the DNA preserved on a tooth pendant that was discovered in a cave in Siberia Researchers determined that it was worn by a woman 19,000 to 25,000 years ago. The tooth itself is believed to have belonged to an elk. 
So that's Euro News writing up on that. For the main stories, uh, I'm gonna do about uh, I'm gonna do a couple today. This one here is written up in Art News by Alex Greenberger. So Jeffrey Epstein planned a visit to uh, Jeff Koons' studio, uh, meeting with mega collector Leon Black. Uh, this new investigation reveals these details here. Uh, starting off the article here, so Jeffrey Epstein's art world connections have long been documented ever since he was convicted on sex trafficking charges in 2019. The same year he died by suicide while in jail. Suicide in quotes. But no, he didn't write him in quotes, but I'm saying him in quotes. But intrigue surrounding his social network has only depend, uh, deepened since then. And a Wall Street Journal investigation published Wednesday revealed that he had planned meetings with at least a few powerful members of the art world. The report, which was based on thousands of emails and documents obtained by the Wall Street Journal, said that Epstein had scheduled visits with artist Jeff Koons and the auction house of Sotheby's, as well as meetings with mega collector Leon Black, a financier whose ties to Epstein were already known. The Wall Street Journal reported that Epstein had been particularly close with Woody Allen, the acclaimed filmmaker who has been accused of sexually abusing his daughter. Allen and Epstein had planned to visit Kuhn's studio in 2013, documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal revealed. Those documents also show that Epstein and Allen had planned a visit to Sotheby's in 2017. How do these birds of a feather always end up finding each other? It's not the first time that Epstein and Sotheby's uh, have been reported to have had a relationship. Uh, in 2020, prosecutors in the U.S. Virgin Islands ordered Christie's and Sotheby's to turn over any documents related to their alleged dealings with Epstein. Black, a former chairman of the Museum of Modern Art and a recurring figure on the Art News uh, Top 200 Collectors list, has been widely accused of ties to Epstein. In 2021, Black resigned from the firm Apollo Global Management Incorporated amid, amid investigations into his donations to Epstein's charity. He was subpoenaed as part of the investigation in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and his art, collect, art collecting company is believed to have also paid millions of dollars to Epstein. According to the Wall Street Journal, Epstein had planned more than 100 meetings with Black between 2013 and 2017, when he was still with Apollo. Representatives from Coon Studio and Sotheby's did not respond to requests for comment, of course not. And Apollo's, uh, they just want to keep quiet until this whole, blo whole thing blows over. And Apollo's spokesperson forwarded uh, Art News, a representative for Black, who has not responded to a request for comment. Our second story for today, um, in light of the coronation of King Charles over in the UK, uh, so this was actually written a couple of days before then, but uh, South Africans call for the return of the um, Kulinan Star of Africa, which is set in the um, the sovereign's uh, scepter. Okay, not the crown, but the scepter, and is the world's largest cut diamond. Uh, they're asking that it be returned to South Africa, where it was unearthed over a hundred years ago, uh, according to a report by Reuters. Uh, as also known as Kulinan the first, the star of Africa is a 530 carat white diamond cut from the Kulinan diamond, a 3,100 carat stone that was mined near uh, Pretoria. A smaller sister stone was also cut from the massive Kulinan diamond and, um, and is set in the imperial state crown. 
Both the scepter and the crown are traditionally used by British monarchs during ceremonial occasions. A charge dot uh, competition, a change dot competition, sorry, calling for the stone to be returned to South Africa has already garnered over 8,200 uh, 8, signatures by Friday afternoon. That ain't gonna do it. Uh, the diamond needs to come to South Africa. It needs to be a sign of our pride, our heritage, and our culture. Uh, Mothusi Kamanja, a lawyer and activist in Johannesburg, told Reuters. Uh, Reuters I think generally the African Ameri uh, I'm, <laughs> I think generally the African people are starting to realize that to decolonize, to decolonize is not just to let people have certain freedoms, but it's also to take back what has been um, expropriated from us. Not everyone agrees, however, that the stone should be returned. Of course not. Uh, colonizers ain't. <laughs> why would they voluntarily um, just give back? Um, things that they've uh, plundered. Uh, I don't think it it matters anymore. Things have changed. This is what you know. Detractor says here, we're evolving. Johannesburg resident uh, Dikissing uh, Zanzaba told Reuters, 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 what mattered for them in the olden days about being superior. It doesn't matter to us anymore. The scepter is one of more than a hundred objects collectively. Um, known as the crown jewels, which date back to the 17th century and per a town and country report, are traditionally a major part of the coronation ceremony when a new monarch officially takes the throne, because each has a special meaning collected to the monarch's reign. The sovereign's scepter with cross, in which the star of Africa is set, is meant to represent the crown's power and governance, and has been an integral part of coronation since it was created in 1661 for King Charles II's coronation. It has been used in every coronation ceremony since and was last publicly seen last September when it was placed on the Queen um, Elizabeth's coffin during her state funeral. The discourse around once great colonial powers uh, repatriating works that they were given or took with force has been uh, has been uh, increasingly becoming a, a heated um, conversation. These calls for reparation, um, repatriation, sorry, however, have typically focused on artifacts like uh, the Parthenon marbles and the uh, uh, Benin bronzes. Okay, so that's that's it for our news section today. Uh, as usual, we can wrap up with a book represent uh, a book recommendation. This one uh, is a New York Times bestselling book. Um, is called the the hair uh, with amber eyes. So this is by Edmund DeWall. It was published in 2010. the The book is part of is part family memoir and part art history. It traces the, the journey of of a collection of Netsuki. So these are small Asian like figurines. Uh, it traces that this collection through five generations of the Wall's family. Along the way, the Wall explores the history of his Jewish family's rise and fall in Europe, as well as the culture and artistic significance of the Metsuki collection. The Metsuki collection, which actually is a collection of 264 Japanese um, uh, Netsuki uh, figurines. The author, a renowned uh, ceramist himself, uh, 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 himself inherited the collection from his great uncle uh, Iggy, who passed them on to him with the request to find out their history. 
The book traces the journey of the Natsuki through five generations of the uh, Afrusi family, a wealthy Jewish banking dynasty in Europe. It explores their rise and fall, their assimilation into European society, and their eventual persecution and exile during World War II. The Natsuki collection survived the war and was eventually passed down to the Walls family. Through the story, uh, through the story of the Natsuki, the uh, Wall offers a personal and moving exploration of his uh, his identity, of family identity, and the power of objects that transcend time and connect uh, sort of the, the past to the present. Uh, quote here from uh, from the from the uh, from about the book: The hair with amber eyes was widely praised for its um, lyrical prose and thoughtful exploration of art and identity. It spent many weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and won several awards, including the 2010 Costa Book Award for Biography. So, check that book out. It's a little bit, uh, a, you know, over a decade ago it was written, but I'm sure it's a timeless. It sounds like a timeless classic and now let's get back to our artist of the day cecily brown cecily brown was born on june um, 1969 in london her father david sylvester was a well-known art critic and her mother caroline wise was a writer and an editor brown grew up surrounded by art and literature and her parents artistic connections gave her an early exposure to the art world in her teens um, uh, she received a good grounding in the medium from her uncle, uh, the British art critic David Sylvester, who she later learned um, in her early 20s was actually her father. Cecily Brown was born uh, exposed to art from, from a very early age. She visited museums, galleries with her parents, um, and you know she, got the, she caught the bug early. She became interested in art at a young age and decided to pursue it as a career. She attended the Slade School of Fine Art in London, where she honed her skills as a painter. Brown has cited several artists as influences, including uh, Willem de Kooning, Francis Bacon, and Joan uh, Joanne Mitchell. Uh, after completing her studies at the Slade School of Fine Art, Brown moved to New York City in the mid-1990s to pursue her career as an artist. She quickly gained recognition for her bold and expressive paintings that often featured erotic and violent themes. Her early works drew from a wide range of sources, including art history, pornography, and popular culture. I was watching an interview with her, actually. There was a, a, a nude magazine on the coffee table where she, in her workspace. Um, so uh, she definitely draws, it's evident that she definitely draws um, inspiration from all over even sources that we may call provocative. But then again, figure drawing is really all, um, you know, the human form. And and so it's uh, it's nothing new. Uh, to, it's one person's pornography is just another person's um, figure art. Uh, over the years, Brown's work has continued to evolve and she has experimented with a variety of styles and techniques. She is uh, now known for her large scale, abstract and figurative paintings that often feature vivid colors and bold brushstrokes and complex layering. Brown's early work, though, was characterized by large colorful canvases that blended elements of uh, figuration and abstractions. Her paintings often featured fragmented images of the human body, as well as suggestive uh, biomorphic forms that, that suggested both the erotic and the grotesque, if you will. Over time, 
Brown's work has become more abstract and focused on the materiality of paint itself. Her paintings are marked by bold, energetic brushstrokes. Um, there's a lot of spontaneity. There's improvisation in there. Uh, again, the vivid colors. Uh, today, she's widely regarded as one of the leading painters of her generation. Uh, Cecily has spoken openly about her evolution uh, as an artist and how her work has changed over the years. In interviews, she has she described her early paintings as being more figurative and focused on the human form, often with erotic and violent themes, as we mentioned. However, as she continued to paint and experiment with different techniques and styles, her work her work gradually became more abstract and and focused on um, you know the paint itself and uh, um, that the medium that she's that she's um, expressing her her vision through in a in a 2018 interview with the New Yorker she goes a little bit more in depth about the materiality of paint when it comes to uh, what she's describes that her style here so she says I think that I've become more interested in the physicality of paint the physicality of the surface the way that the paint can move the way that it can convey something without being descriptive. Uh, she also spoke about how her work has become more process driven over time, uh, with each painting being a response to the previous one. Um, it almost sounds this it almost sounds a little bit clinical, uh, a little bit a, a, a little less heart in in the works, although they are grand or huge. And when you see them, they're all inspiring, but to kind of think it's mechanical like this, um, you know, you almost rather just have the mystery, right? Uh, overall, Brown seems to be very comfortable though with the evolution of her work and sees it as a natural progression of her artistic practice. She has described her approach to painting as being intuitive and spontaneous, allowing each work to develop um, on it, in its own way. Uh, this openness to experimentation and change has allowed her to uh, continually push the boundaries of her own practice and create works that are both visually stunning, which they are, um, and intellectually engaging. Today's ekphrastic poem is a retrospective on what is arguably Cecily Brown's most famous work, a large-scale painting that she created back in 2008. It's called The Sleep Around and The Lost and Found. As a reminder, here's how this works, folks. Remember, it's going to be a description of a visual art piece. So as I'm speaking, I want you to visit the ekphrastic page on my website, darwindarko.com. Check out the show notes. There should be a link there. At the site, you will find a catalog of all the artwork, all the uh, artwork we discussed. To accompany today's reading, I want you to pull up The Sleep Around and The Lost and Found. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. In the Sleep Around and the Lost and Found, Brown's artistry truly does astound. With limbs intertwined and bold hues that bind, this painting's sure to leave you spellbound. Her brushwork is bold and gestural. Her colors are rich and textual. Each figure suggests the passions that crest as bodies intertwine sensual. The chaos is palpable, wild, a riotous, clamoring child. Yet there's order, too, in Brown's masterful view as each brushstroke adds to the pile. 
it's hard not to feel overcome by the colorful scene that's begun. In the sleep around, Brown's talent is found and her mastery of artistry won. For those who love passion and fire, this canvas is sure to inspire. With its vivid array of bodies at play, it's a work that you'll never tire. So if you find yourself in this thrall, just remember, this is your call. Let Brown's brushstrokes lead and your spirits not be grieved. Just sink into this opulent sprawl. Brown is considered one of the most important contemporary painters working today, and her work has been exhibited in major museums and galleries all over the world. She's a highly successful artist in the art marketplace, with her work selling for millions of dollars at major auctions and galleries around the world. According to Artnet's database, her highest auction price to date is $6.8 million. Uh, she got that in 2018 for her painting Suddenly Last Summer at uh, Sotheby's. Brown's success in the art market can be attributed to a number of factors, including her innovative approach to painting, her unique style that blends abstraction and figuration, and her extensive exhibition history in major museums and galleries. She has been the subject of numerous solo exhibitions at uh, prestigious institutions like the Hirshhorn, um, and Sculptor uh, the Hirshhorn Museum and Sculptor Ga uh, Garden, that's in DC, uh, the uh, Gagoism uh, Gallery in New York, and uh, and London. Brown's work has also been included in major group exhibitions such as the Venice Biennale and the Whitney Biennale, uh, further cementing her status as a leading contemporary artist. Additionally, her work has been acquired by major museums and private collectors around the world. In interviews and statements she has given in the past, she has expressed a deep passion for the creative process and a willing to experiment and take risks in her work. She has also emphasized the importance of freedom and intuition in her painting practice, stating that she strives to keep uh, to create work that is both sensual and visceral, but also intellectually engaging. Brown has also spoken about the influence of other artists on her work. Uh, I mentioned Kooning before and Joanne Mitchell and several others. She, she also cited that her work as uh, inspiration for her own exploration of color, texture and gesture. Uh, like every painting is like she's trying to one up herself with the next painting so she influences herself as well Cecily Brown is actually active on social media she can be found on her official Instagram it's at Cecily underscore Brown uh, where she, reg she regularly shares images of her artwork as well as some behind the scenes uh, glimpses in her uh, studio and process her Instagram account has over 53,000 followers as, as of May. So, you know, she's got a, she's got a pretty big following for, for an artist here on social, on, on social media. So that's, that's really, that's really dope that people are finding her work. And I'm glad we got to get, get to know her a little bit better. I'm glad you joined me on this uh, journey again for this and other artwork we discussed, please visit darwindarko.com backslash ekphrastic. It's where you can find all of the stuff catalog for your viewing pleasure. If you like the show or if you want to leave some creative feedback, please rate us five stars, hopefully, and leave a comment. That's always helpful. Another great way is to, to support the show is to share it. Share with your friends. You like the show. Hey, you have a friend that might be into art or might be into, um, you know, just off the wall, interesting topics related to the art world, perhaps. Share the show. Get the following up. You know what I mean? And we can get, uh, you can help us 
put on even a better uh, a better show for for you and you can help them find something something new and fun to listen to speaking of which we are also on the socials find us on twitter at thick frastic uh, on instagram the frastic and on youtube you just type in frastic pop podcast and we'll pop up there and see our latest episodes so that's been a, that's been fun it's been great thanks for joining me again i've been darwin Mesidu, and thanks again for listening to the frastic